This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's now time for local poetry and discussion on Beyond Rhyme. Welcome, welcome to Beyond Rhyme for another time. It's December, the Christmas month, and we're here to celebrate a bit of Christmas and maybe have something different from the COVID-19 and the everything else that goes on around the world, the climate change. We're going to have a hopeful program with Rod, our guest. And Rod, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Camilla, yeah. how are you? I'm great. Very happy to have Rod back in the show. We thank had you. an awesome show last mm. time and I hope everyone enjoyed it. Have we got any comments on the spring? What sort of spring? Is this a normal spring, the spring that we've had? Or has it bit, been a bit changeable or a bit cold? or bit cold today. Mm. Mm. Yeah, a bit, bit different to what I'm, I'm used to. Uh, I'm, I'm still getting used to Christchurch, even though I've been here for about three and a half, four years now, mm. I still haven't quite worked it out yet, weather-wise. Mm. Where are you originally from? Um, north of Auckland. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So at this time of the year, they're, they're having like 20 degrees all the time kind of thing? Yes, well, I've, I've never lived in a place where there has hardly been any rain. Um, up, oh, okay. up there, it rained, you know, frequently. and uh, mm-hmm. So a completely different climate um, to... to what, we, what I was used to up there. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and my hope is that we can be a bit freer in the country and in the world as we battle against COVID. Um, that we can move around a bit and go on holiday and all the things that Kiwis are so good at doing in the summer. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I think we're getting there. Mm. Getting there slowly. One of the things, though, that you know, when you're talking on the subject of hope. Mm. is that, you know, you can, uh, you know, bring out the best of any situation that you're in. Uh, you can find good in everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is something that um, throughout my life I have um, discovered. I did, it didn't start off that well, mm-hmm. but um, I discovered that, you know, part of having hope is actually, you know, take, being able to take control of things, uh, I before about the the waves. You know, if you're a, a small boat in the middle of the ocean and you're being knocked around by the waves, learn to sail. Yes. It might not be straight away that you learn the ropes and everything, but the thing is, is uh, learn to sail and mm-hmm. just set things just a little bit higher than your your comfort zone. Yeah. And after a few years, uh, you you hope that you had will, will start to become a reality for you. That's beautiful. My hope is that yeah. the the future has brightness in it. That's my hope, that there's, there's brightness in the future. Yes. Um, I, I agree with you. Again, I think that's a perception uh, that people have. Um, the uh, One of the, the battles that you would have found that I, I had from the last program is that, I, you know, 
I've battled with disability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people would think, well, you know, that's probably the, the worst type of situation that a person could be in. Uh, at the moment, I'm, I've been enjoying a bit of success with my writing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a featured writer in, in a book and all that wow. sort of thing. Woo-hoo! But yet, when I was a teenager, I couldn't read really or write. You know, um, I taught myself how to do that. And um, then I, I did a bit of study. Uh, but the thing is, is that, you know, it, it, again, it was sort of a step-by-step process, but mm-hmm. you, you keep working towards it. Yes. And it may take a long time, but in the end, you know, you it'll be a fruit for you. So were you able to celebrate getting published in a book, or was it being published in a book or being recognised in a book? It's great being, you know, it's a, it's a great success being in a book, but it's it wasn't actually my, what well, it wasn't my aim originally. I, I, I got asked um, by a publisher over in England to... Uh, to, to feature in the book, I had no idea that I was going to be in one, mm-hmm. and um, this was because I'd been writing articles for quite a few years on the internet, and oh, okay. uh, and uh, so I got invited to be one of the ten writers of the book, um, and that was that. That book is in our public libraries here, and um, oh, that's very special. So it is. It's yeah. great going to the library and, and seeing How something. How can we find the book? Like, shall we search by the title? What's the easiest way to find the book? Um, well, the the book is called uh, "Very Late Diagnosis of Asperger's Syndrome," and okay. uh, it's by Philip Wiley, mm-hmm. and it's the only book on that particular subject. Can um, you please say the title again? Uh, it's called very the very late di- uh, sorry very late diagnosis of Asperger's syndrome. Very it's about adults that actually become diagnosed as adults. Yes. And how to you know um, some of the the things that they might have to deal with and some uh, uh, advice on how they might be able to go about and and get these things worked out. That's so interesting. Just a little question, like in your experience. Because you were diagnosed with Asperger's as well when you were Yes, though so I am I'm a high-functioning autistic, oh, which okay. is, um, it used to come, all come under the category of Asperger's, mm-hmm. uh, but they've now, thank goodness, because <laughs> because it's really important in the education system where they've separated the two. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you've got um, people with Asperger's that are extremely gifted academically and, uh, you know, they're amazing people. Mm-hmm. And you've got people like me that, you know, end up being in, you know, I was in a very early equivalent of a special needs unit. Um, and, you know, when, when you start putting people like me and people like them all in, under the same heading, hmm. um, it causes a lot of problems. And not just amongst, you know, parents and professionals, but amongst even amongst ASD people themselves that have been in arguments and fights over this. Wow. So, you have a poem which is a lighter way of looking at this OCD and Asperger's, I think, um, the bouncy spider. Is that right? Yes. Well, basically, that was just a, a poke at humour um, in relation to my OCD and the OCD in the family. I, I um, Often people with Asperger's syndrome are not, as, uh, you know, they, they may have comorbidity or they, a bit of OCD, but... I actually have been diagnosed with both um, ASD and OCD, and I have a lot of that in my family. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I had a couple of pet spiders um, <laughs> and I named one OCD. And then I was looking at him one day and thought, well, I wonder what a spider with OCD would be like. <laughs> and so I wrote a poem. So all, all these characters that I actually write about, mm. um, I love them because they're pests, a lot of them. Uh, you know, because I, they're what? Pests. I respect oh. the very small that can drive a person completely up the wall. You know, you think of a mosquito, how yeah. how that can drive you crazy. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I, I love that in these small creatures. But um, So um, this is OCD spider. I'm a bouncy little spider. On my web, I bouncy bounce. It doesn't really matter as I weigh less than an ounce. The only issue when I bounce, I give myself away. For when I bouncy, bouncy, bounce, I scare off all my prey. <laughs> I keep on bouncing, bouncy, bounce. I have this problem, see. I was a spider born one summer's dawn with chronic OCD. I'm swinging, swing fast right now. I'm reaching for the sky. My tummy's rumbling just a bit. I just soon pass the fly. I'm swinging and turning in circles now or I'm being rather busy. Kerplonk, oh damn, I just fell off. Feel faint and rather dizzy. <laughs> Before I go, I've just the time to share this final gab. I chased this fly all over town, which ended in this lab. I climbed upon a toilet seat and saw a human starker, his bottom descending down at me. His name was Peter Parker. <laughs> in fear I bit him really hard, he squealed and made a yelp. He sounded rather like a wuss and really need some help. But something happened very strange which wasn't in my plan. He changed right then to be like me. And now he's Spider-Man. Wow, that is so cool. I love the way you get away. You say bouncy, bouncy, bounce, bounce all the time, but you get away with it. Like it's, it's like it's beautiful. It's really nice. It's, it's got a real good rhythm to it. I remember that you mentioned you loved Dr. Seuss. Yes. Right. Yes. So that, as you were reading, I could totally see the the Dr. Seuss in there. You know, the playfulness. OCD is, sort of, is repetitive sort of yes. stuff. It can, it can be that. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's hoarding. Um, I, don't, I don't know whether I mentioned, whether I got time, but whether I mentioned about when I was in the fire service mm. last time. Did I? Yeah. Um, maybe, but we can hold that okay. for the next block. We definitely want to hear the, the fire service story because I remember I went home and I was thinking about that. But now we're going to listen to some music. Very good. And since it's December, I think that um, Run, Rudolph, Run by Chuck Berry would be very appropriate. All right. Take it away. We'll be back soon with more on the fire truck. Child, what? 
Welcome back to Beyond Rhyme. It's our time for some funny rhyme with the bouncy spider. <laughs> and I'd just like to acknowledge the incredible help that Scorpio Books give us. They're on Hereford Street and they have a wide variety of books. Uh, the best bookshop in Christchurch, probably in Canterbury or even the South Island. And go along and have a look or buy online. That'd be great. So thank you very much, Scorpio Books. And if you're thinking of a Christmas gift, you can go there. Or to the new shop as well, which is for children. It's specialised in children's books, which I believe is in that same complex, the BNZ one. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Mm. Your life as a fireman? Uh, yes, I, I just had one um, uh, one story uh, regarding OCD that um, got me my nickname in the fire brigade, um, oh. which was Gyro. What was it? Gyro. What's that? Uh, that's after Gyro Gearloose, the Mad Inventor, in the Donald Duck oh, okay. yeah, comics. Yeah. I had this thing where I hoarded uh, nuts and bolts and bottle tops, hmm. and I had them all in my car boot. You know, you'd open the car boot and it was full of this stuff. <laughs> and the, the guys used to have me on about it. Um, yeah. Nobody knew at that stage that I, I had ASD. I wasn't diagnosed till okay. way after that. But I was the driver of the um, of the truck um, most of the time. Um, we were down to, to one single driver, and that was me. And um, I was on my way out of the area one day, and I saw this bolt sitting in the middle of the road. I thought, man, that's just sitting there, you know. Um, and I, you know, that, I've got to get that. <laughs> and it was right during peak hour traffic, and so I, I pulled over the side of the road, and I tried, and I tried to to get to that bolt. And so finally I got um, I got fed up. I hid um, my helmet in the in the back of my car. Hmm. At that point I, I, I was voluntary. And I, I put the helmet on <laughs> my hand to stop the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> and I went out and got the bolt and I threw it in the boot of the car. <laughs> and I drove off and I, I didn't think that um, anything of it. And then a few days later we had flooding all over the, the place and mm. every fire engine was out and we, we, we finally got our um, call starting to come through. I got halfway out the fire station and I heard this big crash and sort of rubbing noise at the back so I had to stop and part of the um, mudguard assembly at the back of the truck had come apart and there was a missing bolt and um, anyway uh, we looked and um, the officer in charge said, oh, you know, we, we're out of action, guys. Uh, and I, I said, well, what about, you know, getting the bolt in there? And he said, well, it's a specialised bolt. You know, um, we're going to have to wait for the guys from the workshops, which was the other side, to come down and, and repair it. And uh, next thing, one of the other guys yelled out, oh, maybe Rod's got one in his boot. <laughs> and, you know, it was one of those situations where everybody laughed. But I said, oh, I'll go out, and that, that made them laugh even harder. Yes. <laughs> and so I went out, 
And I came back with, I saw this bolt that I'd picked up off the road and I went back in there and um, I said, you know, what about this one? <laughs> and the um, guy called Alan, who was the second in charge, he had a look at it and he said, that's, it. that's got fire engine red on it. You, 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 and, and I didn't, hadn't noticed that. And anyway, <laughs> it, was the, it was the bolt that had come off the fire engine and we were able to fix it. And still respond to the same call out that we. That was after everybody had stopped laughing. <laughs> wow. No one could believe that I actually went out to my car boot and brought back the bolt that actually. The one. The one. Yeah. The so, one. Um, I, they call it, I got called Gyro, and I've I've had that nickname ever since. Uh, it's it's a name that stuck to me for years. Wow. Is there a story behind? Wanting to drive big vehicles like buses and um, fire trucks and. Is, is it something that you wanted to do as a young lad or? Um, I guess, well, basically, um, I, back in those days, I was, I was hungry for knowledge. And anything that I could um, get my hands on to, to learn things, I did. So it wasn't so much that I wanted to drive the fire engine. It was just that the door was open if I wanted to go through. My grandfather taught me uh, you know, he was a military policeman during the war, and he, he said to me, you know, he said, by all means, be petrified at things, but he said, never be a coward. Right. And that really stuck with me. So, um, you know... Can you please repeat that? He, he said... By all means, be petrified. He said, by all means, be pe- petrified at everything, but never be a coward. And um, that that has actually been really one of the things which has driven me... Hmm. Um, it shaped you. And shaped me, and probably my father as well. He's a bit like that as well. Mm. And um, so when you were talking about the diagnosis and your hunger for knowledge, right? Do yes. you think that this hunger for knowledge is something common amongst the, the, the people that experience Asperger's or, you know, many of those? those? Uh, there, are, there are many people that have really done well at overcoming things you know yes. um in fact there's many people in the population that have never been identified because i've never needed to be you know okay. they've adapted very well yeah but there's people like myself um you know we're getting put into the category of having a low iq and then you know we left in that mindset and we really don't know um I wouldn't say you had a low IQ. You just think in a different way to to other people. Oh, that's right. Um, but I have I have been described by really? professionals as being low IQ oh, years ago. It just proves that that test is a very mm. restrictive. You know that doesn't apply well, just, to all kinds of intelligence. They don't know? even test you half the time. This this guy that wrote that only looked at the fact that I was in a special unit when I was at school, and he came to that conclusion by himself. But the thing is, is that since then, um, I've sort of proven I haven't got a low IQ. I was I was just a late developer. Mm. Late bloomer. Yes, yes. <laughs> we'll so, have another poem shortly. What is it like for you as someone who has Asperger's or OCD um, relating to other people? What's How do you find relating to other people? Um Again, I, I have strategies for doing that. Like I come into a situation like this and, you know, I come across as being very confident. But, you know, you 
you didn't see me pacing about an hour beforehand, get you know, doing what I call conditioning, get, you know, sort of getting myself acclimatised to, to what I'm going to walk into. Mm-hmm. I've done this a lot, you know, when I've gone into places where there's a lot of people. Uh, I'll go in there and I'll have a lock around and then I'll go out and then I'll get myself sort of... Um, prepared. Prepared and then I'll go back in again. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, that, that, that was great in the days when I was a smoker, I'm not anymore, but, you know, I just looked like I was going out and having a, a, a smoke smoke. rather mm-hmm. than going out and, you know, um, trying to... Just the imitation of the, the ritual, you know, but not actually the real thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, when I was 18 years of age, um, I was, um, you know, I, I'd i never gone into the area that we'd, we'd lived in pretty well much of my life uh, I knew people really well I was in you know I was in the local fire brigade and mm-hmm. things like that in, in that area um, and um, I went to another area um, met a, a youth group um, mm-hmm. people that I'd never met before um, at, a, at a gathering that they were having um, and this was at a you know public polls place and they found me on um, my hands and knees behind behind a pop plant, I was absolutely petrified. <laughs> and, but not know, a coward. Um, in that particular case, um, I was for a, for a minute. Um, and but you know, once people came and got me and started giving me a bit of a reassurance, I was fine. But the thing is, my image of having be, been you know a, a fireman at that early stage was really. Um, I, I was really humiliated, you know, because that was the way that my mother had introduced me to the youth group leader. So they thought, oh, well, this must be a sort of an amazing sort of guy coming into the group. And then they, they found me hidden behind a pop plant. Mm. Hmm. Um, so what's the lead into your next poem? It's lovely stories you've got. Well, the, 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 um, the lead into the next poem is that, um, you know, we were thought back, you know, thought to be by people as not feeling things. We were sort of Spock-like people, no sense of humour, you know, very black and white. So leading to the next poem is basically to prove that I do have a sense of humour and uh, uh, and that I do definitely feel things. So, <laughs> oh. so the, um, the, the next poem is, is called The Buzzy Bee, The Educational Poem About a Bee. <laughs> I'm a sneezy, wheezy, buzzy bee. I live in a hive on an apiary. My beekeeper feeds antihistamine to me as I'm allergic to pollen. Oh, it's hard being a bee. I fly in the breezy, all sneezy and wheezy. I have to slow down when I feel rather queasy. I flap my four wings 11,000 times per minute. If a swimming pool's close, I often fall in it. I flew to a flower and on it I flop let out a big sneeze and fell off the top. A bumblebee flew past and chuckled at me, but he's just plain clumsy and flew into a tree. I think I'll go home now and go straight to bed. I'll apply in the morning to collect nectar instead. Uh, That's so playful. It sort of makes me feel free, even though there's an analogy there to... Pollen, but I mean the way you write it, it, it really frees me up. I, I feel a lot more relaxed listening to it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, 
Yeah, that, that, that's definitely the playfulness of the verse again, you using the alliteration. And do you see, how do you see the bumblebee, the, the bumblebee, or um, the buzzy bee? Oh, the buzzy bee. Um, yes, he's a, he's a guy that, that, that's, you know, the, doing the commentary of the, of the story. Hmm. Um, but, you know, one of the things which is really weird is that when I use these characters, I actually have an actual um, insect or spot or whatever in mind. Mm-hmm. And I can actually feel quite sorry for them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, um, the cross-eyed spider uh, was one that I felt really sorry for when I when I wrote. You know, it's amazing how when you, you write about certain characters, you can get quite attached to them. Mm, yeah, <laughs> you the, yeah. We'll come back to that shortly. We're just going to have another music break. Camilla, you got some other lovely music? Yes, for we us. do. And this, this is a Christmas song, a New Zealand Christmas song by Daphne Walker that is from a famous album that's called um, 60 Years of Kiwi Christmas Songs. And it's called New Zealand Christmas Tree by Daphne Walker. Take it away, but we'll be back soon. Thanks, listeners. When you see them in December, each bloom is scarlet ember, then forever you'll This is pre-recorded, but I'm guessing it's 10 days to Christmas Day, the 25th. So I wonder what our perceptions will be on Christmas Day with relating to 
what we've been through over the last year or two. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully there'll be some tender love and kindness and gifts and celebration of the day. And pavlova. A pavlova. Yeah. A barbecue. Yes. And maybe even holidays. Maybe. Maybe, yes. So, Rod, we were talking about your your poetry and Camilla's got something to Yes, um, so in the previous blog I was just trying to understand, because I really like the, the Buzzy Bee poem, and I was trying to see how you think, how do you think that you proved with that poem that, you know, you have your sense of humor, and how do you see yourself? You know, where are you in that poem? Are you the buzzy bee? Um, <laughs> I, I actually rather suspect a probably a lot of the character that I put into uh, these insects and spiders and things are characteristics that I could say I've had, but you know, exaggerated mm-hmm. a little bit or yes. whatever. I, I as I. One said that I love the Dr. Seuss yes. slant on things. I love the way he senses his humour. Um, I find I find very tiny things like mosquitoes and things quite hilarious mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're so tiny and they can drive you up the wall. <laughs> and there's a whole universe. Yes, going on in that, in that little ecosystem, doesn't it? Well, people. <laughs> People don't actually realise. I mean, one of the things because you know, I was a child and I wasn't really communicating that well, and that I studied bugs and insects, and mm-hmm. I loved animals and various things. I left the animals behind, but I've been with bugs and insects throughout my my life and observing them and, and things like that. Um, and people don't realise that most of the things that you can learn about these things are in universities. Wow. You know, they, they only give you a, a little bit of a highlight, but you don't you don't actually learn everything about them. You've actually got to go out there and observe them yourself mm-hmm. and actually learn about them. I'm scared of bees and spiders, so just be careful <laughs> what you read out. I might hide <laughs> under the table oh, or something. I, I love bees. <laughs> I, I, I really... Uh, well, you, if, you, if you looked after them, yes. you'd love them. Oh. You know, you feed them in the winter, and you don't even have to put a bee suit on; they just land oh. on them. Really? Know. So it's not—it's not a clever thing these people yes. do when they do this sort of thing for shows. They just feed the bees. It's just like what you say: you learn by living, not not reading textbooks. So exactly, it's, it's very good thinking. Yes, um, the cricket I thought was a, a, a good example of a Christmas poem because everybody over those hot summer months that live in areas where there are crickets. Mm-hmm. You know, can relate to the cricket and oh, yeah, um, tropical areas, the, yeah. yeah, during the sort of the warm Christmas holiday period. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would be quite nice to include one about a about a cricket. Yes. So, would you like me to? Please, yes. Uh, feeling so tired, a hard day now ended. It's bedtime at last, all comfy and splendid. He crawls into bed and turns out the light all warm and so cosy on a clear summer's night. But me, I'm awake, and just come from the thicket. What harm can I do? I'm only a cricket. (laughs) I would sing you a lullaby, but I haven't the time, cos I'm wooing my girlfriend with my chirp in its prime. Why have you got up? I haven't a clue. Why are you so mad and holding that shoe? 
Well, I'll just be silent and keep out of sight. I'll wait till you're finished, because I have all night. You're incredibly selfish, disturbing my singing. Isn't night time for things like wooing and flinging? <laughs> you're not looking well, you're looking half dead. May I recommend you try going to bed? And while you are sleeping just where you belong, I'll sing you even louder my beautiful song. Oh damn, back to silence, you've got up again. A romantic night shattered, you're really a pain. I find that big shoe a little concerning, while you search all around, but in no way discerning. I must take my leave now, the daylight's in sight. I'll go for my sleep now, I'll see you tonight. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it, and I was just, as you were reading, I was just thinking, you know, and, and putting together with that info you said about learning detail and stuff and I think when you pay attention to those little universes you know and to those little realities you learn so much about the bigger reality you know yes. what I mean paying attention and you're able to blend you know all these universal truths in in, um, in those little um, one of the things which is universes really, exactly one of the things you know when you're actually looking at people and you know you, you're taking things in, and, and this, you know, that's what I I do. I, I I like to look at the things that are happening around me. You actually find that we actually live in three different realities. We live in the um, the ideal world most of the time, a bit of the fantasy world, and generally we don't get into the real world until we actually have something that sort of puts us there. Shock. So, and, and the proof of the pudding is, is that, you know, you go and you go for a walk down the beach um, mm -hmm. and, you know, ha having done that several dozen times, then um, clear your brain and just listen, close your eyes and just listen to what's happening around you. I, I guarantee a lot of people would have never noticed those sounds, mm. um, even though they've gone down to the beach to relax or whatever, you know, because their mind's just so full of stuff. But when you can actually hear those sounds and what's happening around you, you you're actually in the real world. Yes, yes. <laughs> now, you've handwritten that one and you've got some twink marks there. I was just wondering, is that because it's a recent one or you just didn't get around to typing it or you prefer to um, it's, it? I, I ran out of printer. Um, <laughs> ink. <laughs> printer ink. Yeah. <laughs> it's a while since I've used twink, but I, I can remember writing letters and things and then rewriting the whole one because I'd had one mistake on the yeah. page. Yeah, but And you wouldn't use Twink? No. It would, it would damage the... I was sort of... I'm Not now, but I used to be a bit of a perfectionist when it came to... Wow. Yes. Um, actually, it's funny because um, being a perfectionist with writing is actually what can hold a lot of kids with ASD back at mm. school. You know, the, the, the tiny smudge... Or, you know, even a full stop being darker than a le than a letters can stop a child in, in his tracks and he, he won't write. Um, just taking the pencil out, um, instead of giving them a soft lead pencil, which they break the pencil because they're used to using a hard lead pencil, that puts them off. So, you know, you give them a special pen like a pilot pen and, you know, they well, can take go. off. Wow. But you give them a pencil, they can stop. And not learn and, uh, anything. What is the sensorial um, uh, 
thing in behind. So it's just because the the thing. What is? How does it make someone feel with the softened? Um, it can be quite repulsive. The feel of a pencil. Um, okay. I I used to bite my pencil all all the way around it. Yeah. Because I couldn't feel stand the feel of it just holding the pencil. But the teacher used to always take the pencil off me and give me a new one, so I I wouldn't write, you know, um, with, you know, in those early primary years. So where was this written before it was on this paper? Was it in a journal or something? Was it, or was it? On um, a, I had it on, on, on computer. On computer, and you've handwritten it down. I've handwritten the paper. it, yeah. Yeah. But I but I hand all these ones I hand wrote out, so I I, I used Twink just to, mm. so it wouldn't be too. Um, not just sort of thing. Can you do you, when you're writing? Do you think you're able to memorize? You know, especially when you're handwriting, are you able to memorize some of your your poems? And would you be able to recite some of them? Um, some of them, um, mm-hmm. but no. Um, generally, I have to read them mm-hmm. these days. Just before we go to another break, have you read any? Poetry out on poetry nights, open mic nights, all things like that. Have you heard of open mic nights around Christchurch, Mad Poets no, Society? No, I haven't. Um, but that, that's something that I'd be quite interested <coughs> in exploring. Yes. They're usually quite um, calm environments, safe environments for you to share your poetry. Yeah, well, that that could be um, that could be good, and because uh, I've definitely, um, you know, it was something that I was doing, and I sort of put to one side, but. Just being part writing group and things, it just sort of got me back interested in doing it again. So, um, yeah, so I, I have been writing. Um, I've written one that that um, is very controversial without a translation because uh, each line is a metaphor, mm. mm-hmm. and um, but it reads in a very controversial sort of way. But I always wanted to write a nursery rhyme. Yeah, so, interesting. Yeah. We'll so, come back to this after the break. Camilla's yeah. got some more pre-Christmas music for us. I do. And you guys might have heard of this guy. Um, Blue Christmas by Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley. <laughs> I'll have, I'll have a blue Christmas without you. So blue, just thinking about you. Decorations of red on a green Christmas tree won't be the same, dear.
Welcome back to Beyond Rome. We're with Camilla, our co-host, and Rod, who's reading out his playful, imagery-filled poetry. What's your next piece, Rod? Next piece is called Diogatory, and it's... um, I just thought it would be, you know, sort of a summing up from all these things we had learnt um, in this year. Um, so if it's, um, you know, if there's anybody out there that might have a corgi or a poodle or something, you know, you know, get your cup of tea all set up and get comfortable because this poem's for you. <laughs> <laughs> I have to put just one thing straight yeah. for all dog lovers here. I have to sadly tell the truth and say it like I care. Record this in your diary and post it on your blog. If it's shorter than the knees, my friend, then friend, it's not a dog. <laughs> a lochin, cocker spaniel, Dutch hound and Bolognese. A chihuahua, terrier, pug and corg, shih tzu and Pekingese. It may be a rat or similar, or may even be a frog. But if it's shorter than the knees, my friend, then friend, it's not a dog. <laughs> Rise up, O German shepherd, Great Dane and Labrador. You can't take pride in something that can fit inside your jaw. It may be a rat or similar, or may even be a frog. But if it's shorter than the knees, my friend, then friend, it's not a dog. (laughs) So if you were to have a dog, it would be a big dog, a St. Bernard. Oh, yes. Oh, well, I had a a border collie, but it was one of the big show sort of dog ones. But uh, actually, that's just taking the mickey... um, Mainly out of my two sisters that have oh. small dogs. <laughs> have you read this to them? Uh, yes. Okay. What did they think? Did they um, laugh as well? Um, yeah, well, one, one of them did. <laughs> <laughs> the other one hasn't spoke to you ever since. Uh, um, but you know, I I, I love to um, I love to ha- have the family on with with us. You know, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do actually think that. Uh, um, a small dog is, uh, you know... Um, Should be categorised differently. Yes. <laughs> well, it's the same. It's like saying that a, a person with Asperger's is the same with a person oh, with autism, okay. isn't it? Yeah. It do, just doesn't work. So, and In your view, what differs them? What's the main difference? Apart from the obvious, you know, physical... Well, I, I would size. say that one's a dog and one's not. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a pretty good dumb... <laughs> One is a, it's more like a, a, a toy, you know, like a cute Absolutely. thing to be a dog. And the other one is a dog and since you can train and it's your, you know, it's that. Actually, in reality, um, small dogs are excellent for picking up if there's somebody wandering around. Where, um, you know, um, and they, they are a lot quicker and onto it than what the bigger dogs are. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Loud. But, yeah, they won't yeah. protect you so much, um, but they they'll let you know that something's there, you know, you know, way before a big dog will. Mm. So, you know, they, they do have their um, their benefits. <laughs> Just as an aside, device. you said earlier that you get great benefit out of being part of a, a writing group, is that what you said? So, yes. So tell us about that, how you benefit from being involved in a group of writers, amateur writers, that um, were you being published? So, I think, I think the, the great thing is, is being able to share a common interest with people and actually, um, you know, you, you get to be able to read your work out to the people and you get feedback from them uh, about, and, you know, a lot of that feedback is very useful 
in relation to you know what you want to do with your stuff in the future or about writing new material mm. and stuff. Um, it's quite interesting too. It's not just people's opinions on things. It's how people react. Um, I don't don't have that piece that I wrote um, when I was saying that I wrote a nursery rhyme, but it was just interesting. You know, some people just couldn't get their head around um, certain words. You know, they would keep on taking the literal meaning rather than the than the, the symbolic side. So you can also see pretty well how different people react to what you write as well, and you sort of learn the line of what's sort of acceptable and mm. <laughs> and that sort of thing. And where's your writing going to from here? What would you like to write about? Well, I. I still love writing about bugs and insects and and things. Um, uh, you know the, the I I actually relate very strongly to them. I relate to spiders, and that might sound weird, but there's they, they do have things in common with us. People are petrified of spiders for a start, mm. um, but you know they don't realise that if it wasn't for spiders, we'd be buried in about thirty meters of flies. All over the planet, they are really vital, um, but they that they're, they're treated with, as a beast. As a beast, because beast. they look like one, um, you know. And I discovered that they they just don't go by instinct. They all have different personalities mm. and characteristics. Um, and uh, bush cockroaches um, are just um, are, are just amazing. Um, I did security in a, in a, for a school, you know, just mm-hmm. checking around the um, place at night. And there was a classroom that everybody thought was haunted because the alarm kept on going off. And I suspected that it was a, a jolly cockroach that was doing it. <laughs> but I couldn't prove it. And um, anyway, I bought a um, – well, my boss let me buy – a torch which you can't buy now, um, which was actually a white laser type of torch, and you could shine it over a long distance, and it would, you know, if you aimed at the ground, it would be a tiny little light, but you aimed it, and it would light up a whole side of a building wow. from a, a rugby field away. Goodness! And so, why can't you buy those anymore? Oh, I think probably because they're dangerous. You know, put, oh, people point them yeah, at people's yeah, eyes. Yeah. But yeah. I managed to, you know, uh, drive up. Um, in the in the school grounds, and from you know a tennis court away from the block of buildings, I shone this laser at the um, actual sensor, and there it was sitting oh. right in the middle of it. And uh, anyway, I thought I got you, and uh, <laughs> I tried for six months to get that thing, and I never got it. Um, we we it just you know routinely kept on setting the alarm off. <laughs> It, I think it was attracted to the infrared or whatever from the okay. sensor, and um, but I suspected it was one of those things. I haven't seen a uh, slightly different to spiders, but I haven't seen a praying mantis or a ladybird for decades. What's happened to them? Ladybird. Yeah. Ladybirds. The, is ta- the tiny red one. Uh, have you seen them around? Yes. Yeah. Oh, you have. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't seen one for a while. Maybe you're not paying attention. No, no. You need to what about praying mantises, garden? though? They had the, the funny... Yeah, they... Um, they, there's a lot of them uh, around, you know, the uh, so the Auckland region and that. But oh, I, right. I, I don't know much about them down here. What's yeah. that? Uh, praying mantis. What is that? It's an insect, but it's got 
big long wings and it's it's got quite an original shape to it. Yeah. It looks long, like it's praying, you know. You really um, long and flies slow. Yes. And... Como é o nome disso, meu Deus? I need so, to remember the name in Portuguese. Yeah, so they... Um, they're really amazing. Um, mm -hmm. Well, one thing that I, I did with a, um, a spider um, was I actually, during the daytime, I put it in a container. Hmm. Um, we, we had a lifestyle block years ago, and the front lawn was about you know a quarter of an acre, and um, I put this in a in a dark container, and I put it in the corner. I put Twink on its back, or web spider, and. I left it there because they're nocturnal. And um, then my the experiment was that I was going to go out and I was going to find out, you know, where it actually set itself up, you know, how far away and, and so forth. I was going to search for it. Two nights later, it was back in the web. Wow. And I thought, how did you do that? You know, um, the, the grass was quite long. Um, it, you know, the, the container was completely dark. And uh, he found his way back to his web. Wow. It's just unbelievable. Uh, and um, I've, I've been trying to work that one out for a long time. Have you got another piece to finish off with? Absolutely. Um, well, if you'd like, I'll, I'll read Stand the Cross-Eyed Spider. Because you said it'd be great. Talking about spiders. I'm Stand the Cross-Eyed Spider, all eight eyes, which is a shame. It's insects eating GE plants. The humans are to blame. I complete a quarter of my web. I thought it was all spun. Then insects fly right through the gap because the other parts aren't done. A house spider said she saw TV spec savers. I should go. <laughs> Waste no time. Natural selection favours not the one who's slow. So I crawled along the grassy ground. I crawled over a wall. I crawled over things which were rather big and things which were rather small. But I changed my mind and set my sight. If you'd please excuse the pun. I had to find a secluded place where the need for specs were none. But something happened really bad, which couldn't have been foreseen. Got sprayed in the face by an aerosol can of super strength Maltine. <laughs> Should have gone to spec savers. <laughs> Maybe we could get sponsorship for those two as well. Yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> oh my dear. gosh. Maltine. Thank you. Thank yes. you so much, Rod. Thank all your, your commentary and just your presence and all your beautiful poetry on the things bright and beautiful, the creatures great and small. And keep up your writers yeah. group. It sounds like you get a lot out of it. So Absolutely. I encourage anybody to get involved in, in that. If they, if they want to write, if they think they can write, you know, have a go at it and um, join a group. There's, you know... Um, it's actually very, very interesting, and you get to read your work out to other people. Yes. So get into it. And um, this was our Christmas show. This was our Christmas show. We'll yeah. see you in the new year. And, and we'll end the show with Nat King Cole, Away in the Manger. And uh, we hope that you, that 2022 is a year of hope. You know? Yes. Mm. Thank so we'll everybody. see you next time. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you very much, Rod. It's brilliant. Thank you. Cheers. Away in a manger No crib for a bed A little 
lay down his sweet head The stars in the sky looked down where he lay The little Lord Jesus asleep on the Thank you. 